How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry, 
at the King's Theatre in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's leading ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheatre.com. Well, it's three days later, and I think most of us don't really feel any better. Let's turn to our next guest for his perspective. He's one of the greats at covering the Philadelphia Eagles. Does it for NBC Sports Philadelphia, also us here at WIP. Ruben Frank, of course, on the Eagles pregame show the whole season long with the Eagles, and this was not an outcome I expected. Much to discuss with Ruben. How you doing, Rube? Hey, guys. Man, Rube. You, I, I don't remember your prediction, but I assume you picked the Eagles? I think the Eagles 34-31. So you yeah, thought it would so. be close, wow, obviously. Was close. How, how, yeah, you were close. How, how, I guess you can't be as surprised as I was. I thought the Eagles were going to win easy. How surprised are you that the Eagles lost? Uh, I mean, I'm surprised they lost when they were up 10 at halftime. Uh, yeah, I really thought they were the better team. I thought they were going to win. I didn't think it was going to be easy, obviously, I, you know, with that score. I didn't think it would be a blowout. I mean, the Chiefs. You know, you know, the Chiefs have one of the best coaches and quarterbacks ever, and the Eagles have a really, really good team. They have a better team. Like, if you listed the top ten players in that game, you know, seven of them would be Eagles. Yep. You know, probably, you know, uh, Mahomes, Kelsey, and, and, and Chris Jones. But uh, the other seven would be Eagles, and I thought they were the better team. Uh, and they were for good chunks of that game, but they just – you got to finish. And, Rube, yeah, Ruben, which yeah. Eagles players – let the Eagles down. There's been so much talk about Gannon and Sirianni, and, and rightfully so, but which players let the Eagles down? Yeah, Gannon, Sirianni, and Michael Clay. I mean, it was it, this was a team loss. And, uh, I mean, obviously, Quez. I mean, like, that's that's the obvious one. Um, but, on a, I mean, because you catch that ball, yeah, first and goal to eight, you're punching it in. Yep. Um, but, uh, look, I think, uh, I think the, it's hard to say. With the, I mean, I think the slippery field was such a big factor, and you don't want to make excuses. Um, but I mean, Hassan Reddick's whole game is uh, is neutralized by the field sucking. I so, agree. Um, I mean, if you just look at the stat sheet, you say Hassan Reddick is a guy that you really thought would dominate that matchup with Andrew Wiley and get two. I had him for like two and a half sacks, and um, you know it didn't happen. How much is him just having a bad game and how much is the field? Well, you all, we all saw him slipping every time he, yeah. he tried to rush the passer. So, um, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you expected to get more pressure. I, I thought, regardless of the field condition, I thought the guys up front played too many snaps. I, I thought um, they didn't get any pressure in the second mm-hmm. half. Some of that is the field. I, I'm sure some of it was they just lost their one-on-ones. Um uh, you know, I, I I thought the the D line was going to come up bigger. Um, I thought the secondary, you know, they they gave up too many plays, and I, I get that they're playing the best at one of the best ever. But uh, you know, I I expected more from from Slay, from Bradbury, you know, beyond just the the penalty. Um, you know, you can isolate certain guys. I mean, if Samalo doesn't jump offside, obviously there's no fumble, uh, there's no touchdown. You probably win the game. I mean, that's seven points in a three-point game. So, you know, it was a team loss. You know what? It was really team loss. You could, there's, there's a few guys, uh, you know, 
Devontae, Jalen, and A.J. were unbelievable. And, and you know, even though Jalen had the fumble, which was really costly, I mean, he, he look, he, he played incredible. Uh, but there weren't a lot of guys that you look at and said, even the O-line in the second half was, was getting dominated by the Chiefs. I thought the Chiefs were the more physical, more the, the aggressor physically in the second half. I did not expect that. Um, I, I'm not sure why that happened. I didn't expect to see that happen. It hasn't happened all year. I mean, all year the Eagles have used that same formula to win, running the clock, you know, keeping keeping the ball for 35 minutes, and they did all that. They had, they had the ball the whole first half, and they still couldn't wear down the Chiefs. Yeah. You know, it's like they they ran they ran the plan perfectly in the first half, uh, and they just. They just couldn't finish. Rube, you said something that was interesting there that I hadn't considered, uh, that the D-line seemed uh, tired. You know, that, And then I look at their snap counts, and uh, Hassan Reddick, 84% of the snaps, Josh Sweat, 82%, Fletcher Cox, 82%, Javon Hargrave, 76%. Do you feel like they should have rotated those guys more, and that would have given our defense a better chance to actually stop the run and get more pressure on Mahomes? Yeah, I wrote about that today or, or yesterday. Might have, I don't even know when I wrote about it. But, yeah, it was the first time this year um, that any of those guys – I think it was the second time this year um, that anybody played 80% of the snaps or 70, 75% of the snaps wow. up front. And then all four of them did. Um, so the, the reason this D-line was so effective all year was because they rotated, and they didn't do that. And wow. that's a question for Tracy Rocker and Jeremiah Washburn, who – you know, who who handle that rotation. And, look, the Chiefs only had 20 snaps in the first half, so I, I get that you want to get those guys on the field as much as possible. But in the second half, they still didn't rotate, and the Chiefs had the ball for, I think they ran 30, 33 or 35 plays, which is kind of a normal half, and they still didn't rotate. And uh, we didn't see a lot of BG. We didn't see a lot of, um, you know, Jordan Davis. We didn't see a lot of that whole second group that's been so good um, I thought Josh Sweat had a great first half. He got some really good pressures. And then, you know, second half, he's playing more snaps than he's used to, and you just didn't see the impact. I mean, the reason this team was so good up and had, eight, whatever, 78 sacks during the regular season was because they rotated, and they just stopped doing that. Ruben, uh, are, are you hearing anything uh, either on the record or off the record uh, that you can share um, that, it, I mean, not when I say off the record, on, on the record, but not to be attributed to a, a specific person, that about the Eagles' level of anger as an organization about the field and about the call against Bradbury and against the overturn on the Devontae Smith catch. Um, you, you get any insight on that? Yeah, you know, we were in the locker room for a couple of hours yesterday, and um, I didn't really talk to anyone about the catch or um, – I mean, the the Bradbury penalty, yeah, uh, I think. Because, Ruben, you know Ed Snyder would have gone yeah. ballistic yeah. publicly I, I as think the Flyers owner. Like, what, what, how are the Eagles going to handle this, and what do you know about what they really think? Well, I think that there was a real sense that, you know, the 49ers were whiners and crybabies, and, uh, you know, they, they wanted to go out with more class than that, which they did. So you didn't hear a lot of complaining. I thought, um, obviously, I think we all know what, what they think. I, I think the field was a big topic in the locker room yesterday. And, um, you know, I, I did talk to a bunch of guys about it. And, and uh, you know, you, you have this billion-dollar event. It's the biggest sporting event in the world. And 
Um, you know, you're gonna, I, I, you know, Jake Elliott. We saw him on that one kickoff. You know, almost sprain his ankle, and he's, you know, I talked to him yesterday. He said, you know, you're, you have a Super Bowl and you're gonna experiment with a new field. I mean, like, yeah. what are you doing? I mean, what if he couldn't? What and, if he couldn't kick the rest of the game? I mean, he, exactly. You know, like that. He, I mean, that that's a, that could have happened. Yeah, I mean, it neutralized their best pass rusher, their best defensive player. I mean, it it really changed the game in a, in a fundamental way. And, um, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say they would have won the game, but it prevented both teams from playing the way that they wanted to play. It changed the game in a fundamental yeah. way, and that's inexcusable. So you think Laurie I – mean, You, you think, can't have that. Yeah. You think Laurie and Howie, though, will soft-pedal soft it publicly? Um. You know, it's not really their style. No, it's not. I, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure they're gonna they're gonna you know go through, you know, the competition committee or whatever you know whoever is uh, the the right place to go through. And I'm sure their feelings will be clear. Uh, look, they yeah. I mean, it's easy to think that they had one taken from them because of a bad field. That that just can't happen. You can't let that happen. Imagine. You know, like playing the World Series, and you know, in Little League, when they're like setting fire to the puddles, like you know, when you, before your game, like I mean, that's what it's like. It's like you know, you can't play this game on that field, and yeah, I mean, it's just a shame that we'll never know what this game really would have been like on a, um, you know, on an even playing field, so to yeah. speak. Uh, we're talking a lot today about the changes. Uh, both coordinators are gone, and I, we'll get into that a little bit. But do you think uh, the third coordinator, our special teams coordinator, Michael Clay, coached well enough this season to be back in that capacity no. next year? No, and I don't think he coached well enough last year to be back. And, you know, Nick wanted that continuity in his staff, and I, I get that. But, um, look, I, I just don't think he's a good coach, and I think the product has shown that, whether it's – you know, penalties or, or or buff punts or bad decisions or I mean it's been one thing after another and on on special teams and um it I mean that play was inexcusable. That can't happen. I mean this is a guy who ever his career average is like five point one yards per punt return. He stinks. And that just can't happen. You they were just it's like the biggest snap of the year for special teams. You have a chance to pin him you know, I don't know. It was like their own thirty-five or whatever. Is a crucial situation, and and you let that happen. Yeah. Darius Tony. I mean, for crying out loud. I mean, it's just you know, it's not it's not a you know Dion back there. I mean, yeah. it, it was terrible. And uh, yeah, they need to get a they need to get a, a better special teams coach in here and really just revamp that. Um, yeah. That look, yeah. I, I I hate calling for guys' jobs, but I mean, it was it was that can't happen, and. You know, you you put – and look, that seven points goes on the defense, but you can't put – I mean, you give Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes five yards, like there's not a defense on earth that's going to stop him. So, you know, when people talk about Gannon and the defense will have 38 points, well, seven are on, on, on the fumble. That's not on the defense. And seven are on that punt return. So, you know, they gave up 24 points to, the, to the, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, and – I mean, it was terrible in the second half. But to me, this is a team loss. And anybody who just says Gannon, 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 um, it was everyone. It was Gannon. It was Shane. It was Nick. It was Michael Clay. Uh, it was a lot of the players. It, it was a real team loss. And, um, you know, the defense did a really good job, in the first, a great job in the first half. They got stops on third down. I think the Chiefs were 0 for 3 in the first half on third down. You know, they they did a great job. And then – one of the greatest coaches ever and one of the greatest quarterbacks ever adjusted and they and they made more yeah. plays. 
Ruben, uh, I, 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 I think I, I think I know what your answer to this is going to be based on what you just said, but I'm going to ask it. Is it a yeah. good thing in your opinion for the Eagles that Gannon is no longer the defensive coordinator or a bad thing for the Eagles? Well, I think uh, he's a good coach. I think that I think that's obvious. He's a really good coach, and he had a bad, he had a terrible second half Sunday. But uh, I'm not going to say it's a good thing that he left. I mean, we don't know. I think Denard Wilson, assuming he's going to be the guy, um, he's a really, really sharp guy, and he's the players love him. Uh, but that's all true for Gannon too. I mean, they had the number two defense in the league for a reason by 15 yards, number one pass defense, uh, record-setting pass rush. Um, you know, so the guy's a good coach, and uh, and I think think people that really understand the game get that. Uh, for some reason, people just decided they didn't like him, and um, you know, it ended really, really bad. I mean, there's no question about that. But uh, you know, are you going to have a chance say, to ask him? I'm not going to say it's a good thing. Are you going to have any okay. chance at any point to talk to Jonathan Gannon about the way this went? And also, how much of a distraction was it for our coordinators to have been courted? for head coaching jobs during their Super Bowl preparation? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, that's something that's always been – it's always happened. It's um, it's a tricky thing to navigate, and I think both those guys are really focused. I, I don't think it hurt their, their preparation, and, you know, they're not allowed to talk to teams during that week leading up to the game. Like, you know, they could talk Saturday – uh, and then starting that Sunday when the team flies out to Arizona, there's there's no contact between them. But, um, yeah, I'm sure – I mean, it's got to be on their mind somehow. I mean, um, yeah, I, I can't answer how much of a distraction it is, but it's something that's – look, Super Bowl coaches are always the ones in demand, uh, and it's a tricky it's a tricky deal. But, you, you know, I, I don't think that affected the, the game. I don't think it affected their preparation. Okay. Um, but it's it's not ideal. Do you know if you'll be able to speak with Jonathan Gannon about this game? Uh, I mean, um, you know, the coordinators are never available after games, so they weren't there Sunday. Uh, I can't. Maybe it'll come up. He's talking to the Arizona media Thursday. Uh, I'm not going to fly back out to Arizona. Uh, I'm sure at some point he will. I mean, I'd love to talk to him and ask him about some of those plays in the second half, some of those breakdowns. Mm -hmm. uh, but, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, Maybe – I mean, Eagles play Arizona next year, right? Yeah. They yes. play here. Here. Yeah. Maybe maybe we'll talk to him, we'll talk to him before that game. Uh, but, yeah, long. I mean, I, oh. I, would, I would love to. Oh. You know, we didn't talk to Jim Schwartz after the Super Bowl until OTAs. And I remember the first question, so it's in April, the first question was, you know, about, you know, you guys gave up 571 yards. <laughs> He's like, we won the Super Bowl. Like, but, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, but I, I think, you know, look, I think everyone's going to move on. And uh, if Gannon is asked, I, I can't imagine anyone tomorrow is going to ask him about uh, about that, but I, I wish I, I hope somebody does. I hope somebody does too, Ruben. I really do. Rube, let's wrap on this. Jason Kelsey. I mean, you know him real well. Gut feeling? Does he play again or not? Man, I, I I don't think I have a gut feeling because you know he doesn't drop any hints. He's really careful. Like I don't, he doesn't know, and he literally doesn't know. And and I've talked to him so much about it. He says, you know what, I'm gonna. I just I'm gonna wait until the emotion is gone. Like I don't want to be like, oh, I'm I'm coming back because of the way we lost, or if they won, like I'm not coming back because we won. He he wants to get away from that, give it a couple of weeks, and decide if he really wants to keep playing. And he said Howard Mudd. 
told him once, you know, he asked, well, how, how am I going to know? And Howard Mudd said, when you wake up in the morning and tell yourself, I just don't want to go play football today or, or practice or go to meetings, that's when it's time. And so that's what he's got to consider. Uh, I sure hope he doesn't because I can't imagine this team without Jason Kelsey. I, I think he had his best year ever at 34. And he's already a Hall of Famer. He's already he's the most he, he he's the most popular center in history. We're watching him every day at the podium take questions for an hour, good naturedly funny, engaging, listening, and these lines of people would just come up to Jason Kelsey. I'm like there's never been a center in the history of the league who's who's done that. And you think about two Super Bowls, a championship, the mummers, you know, the yep. the, the the parade. Um, five all-pros, five all-pros as a six-round pick. Didn't make a Pro Bowl or an all-pro till like sixth year because when you're a late-round pick, it's really hard to get your reputation there. And this guy is one of, he's one of the greatest players in football history. And uh, you, it's just, you know, you sit there and he's talking about like his favorite diners in South Jersey. And like, hmm. you're like, this is the most down-to-earth superstar I've ever been around. And I can't imagine this franchise without him. But it's going to happen soon, and I just hope it doesn't happen this year. Great answer, Ruben. Great insight on all of it. Uh, we'll be talking, obviously, a lot through the offseason. Your in-season coverage was sensational. Thanks so much, Ruben. I appreciate you guys. Talk to you soon. All right, there Thanks, he is, Ruben. Ruben Frank. James, what do you got in there? Yeah, Elliot Shore Parks made a good point, was listening, and uh, sent me, uh, Gannon will have to speak at the Combine in two weeks. All head coaches have to speak at the Combine, so at least an opportunity because yeah. there will be Eagles reporters at the Combine, obviously, so potentially in two weeks we could get some answers. Yeah, I don't want to wait that long. I appreciate we have that. I want him right this second. I'm with you, buddy. I'm yeah. just saying, good point by Elliot. We might not have to wait till Gannon comes here next right. year yeah. to do that coach's conference. It is a good point. I feel good about that. I mean, two weeks, yeah, it feels like forever, but that's uh, that's manageable. And, yeah, and, but it's, and uh, I hope they, they stick it to him. I hope we learn something. You know, the tricky part is he's also not going to probably give you the most forthcoming answers. Right. You know, so it just it gets that gets a little tricky too. But okay. but, but you would do want to hear him talk on the record. I want him asked. I do too, John. I agree. Mike in Douglasville. Mike, good morning, buddy. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey Mike. So I've found like two reasons to smile since that game has ended and that's thinking about Hertz's play and now Jonathan Gannon leaving. Like I, I just listened to Ruben Frank and apparently I don't know football, which is fine. Um, <laughs> but what I do know is the same exact play just flipped should not be wide open touchdowns. Um, I, I called you guys on Friday and I'm 99% sure I was the only person during your, your show I called in and actually said I was concerned about the game because of Gannon and how, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes or any good quarterback um, has picked us apart. Now, I don't I, – I can understand where we're going to probably take a step back next year, especially, you know, defensively. Um, I think that's going to be more related to the players that we're going to have than it is going to be uh, coaching-wise. But the one thing that I keep wondering, are we going to bring somebody from the outside, such as like a Mike Zimmer, or are we going to just, you know, promote um, uh, Denard Wilson? And if that's the case, are we really going to see much of anything different next year? Um, well, you can. I mean, just know this, Mike. Yeah. A guy like Doug Peterson came from Andy Reid, and we were all kind of freaked out that he would inherit the worst of Andy Reid's traits. He was really good on the things Andy Reid was really bad at. 
That's true. Clock management, fourth down decisions. You know, like some sometimes just because you came from beneath someone, learn from them. I mean, that can give you a great insight in, into what not to do. So I, I think it's too simplistic to just view it as, oh, the next guy will just, you know, not be good enough in those ways. Gotcha. A uh, quick question for, um, you know, you guys can answer it once I'm off. Um, if we are to look to the outside, you know, the Eagles organization for a new defensive coordinator, would a Mike Zimmer or uh, – I think Mike Zimmer ran more of like a 4-3. Would that affect anything as far as, you know, Jonathan – or uh, well, it could Jordan affect Davis, it, who is uh, – Sure. 3-4? Yeah, look, it could affect who they hire. I mean, it, it, you know, they could choose someone that they think fits – you know, normally when you change a defense four three to three four or or the inverse, it, it's it's usually about a two year process, because you know you got to turn that over and it's hard to do that all in one year. Uh, now I don't know that necessarily going to be wedded to a three four on the basis of Jordan Davis because he struggled for the most part. Um, but yeah, they're, they're going to have to make that decision as they do the interview process. Nick Fangio ran more of a three four or a hybrid, right? He did both. Yeah, he he did exactly the way our defense looked. You know, the base 3-4, and then you go uh, even front and the nickel and dime. Mike, give me a big answer. What was the letdown? Well, I guess, I mean, we can all agree 2020 was, you know, rough with COVID and everything was horrible. But there was one bright spot of uh, of 2020, and that was um, Tiger King. And I think finding out that Carol Baskin's husband is alive is a major letdown. You know? Wow! <laughs> I don't know that we Did found that not out. See that coming today? So we found. I don't know. I've heard. Can confl- it be a letdown when I someone's alive? I, I think that was a rumor that he was alive. Yeah, it seems like he's probably not alive, or at least they're not sure he's alive. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. The minimal amount of research I did on There that. was all sorts yeah. of... Right. <laughs> you know, another name I'd, I'd put out there, I don't, you know, because it seems like it's pretty clear-cut on the offensive side, it's going to be Brian Johnson. But defensively, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if they elevate or go external. Another name, John, I've thought about is Paul Gunther. I mean, he was a defense coordinator in this league for a long time. He's from here, grew up here, took one year off. I mean, literally lives here. I don't know what type of defense he ran, but I would imagine he's got to be considered. It it really seems like they like Denard. Maybe it's that simple. Maybe it is. And I don't know. It feels like that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Like every beat reporter I've seen, whether it's Elliott or Ruben or all the people online are all like, probably going to be Denard Wilson. They really like him. It just feels that way. You know, yeah. the other names that were thrown around, uh, I mean, Gerard Mayo was one of those names, but he's now, you know, somewhere else I, it feels like because we are the last team playing right it makes it a lot harder to well, go outside your your organization here's where Is Vance Joseph uh I mean, he's available yeah wow here's well, where I guess all- I, he was with Arizona so I guess it'll depend on Gannon's staff right theoretically oh, that's true. Gannon could keep yeah. him yes. but yeah. he probably will be available and where it also gets tricky and look you want to hire the right guy like you want to hire the best guy but it does get tricky on how ticked off will the guys that get passed over be? Do they grumble if they don't get the gig? How mad will the players be if one of their position coaches doesn't get the gig and the player thinks he deserves the gig? And then do they get, you know, squirrely with the organization? Like it's, it's, I don't think that happens often. I don't know how – I have no idea. I'm just yeah. – those things, though, players do happen in assume, life. Yeah, but yeah, players normally assume that the organization, especially this organization, I mean – we'll, we'll nail it? That they'll, yeah, they'll put the time in I hope, research. I hope, but I will say effort. this, John. I'll, I'll say this. While they – I'm like, look, it's 
conflicting opinions of whether they nailed it the last time they hired these guys because many fans don't like Jonathan Gannon. You know, it's not like Lurie and Howie, and I'm going to say Lurie and Howie. I know it's different with Nick. But it's not like they're that far out of the woods organizationally of a historic fiasco of assistant coaching decisions at the back end of Doug's tenure. I mean, Doug, part of the reason he's yeah. gone. I mean, there, there was a year without an offensive coordinator. There was a year, was it Mike Rowe was the coordinator? Mike Rowe, and then we had Press Taylor. Remember that whole... Press yeah, Taylor Deuce was the and offensive Press coordinator Ta- down there in Jacksonville. Yeah, they were like flipping around. Yeah, and, and like... passing game coordinator and a running game right. coordinator. They did that thing. And remember this, because this is a question that, I mean, it's got to be asked or at least wondered about. Who makes the decision who gets hired? Yeah. It, uh, yeah. It's a, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Does Nick after well, year especially two? Especially with defensive or, coordinators, where I mean, they hired Schwartz before they hired Doug. Like, I know. Gannon, like the same time they hired Sirianni, like they've shown that they're willing to say we're picking the defensive coordinator. Yeah, it's just, I mean, that's that's a tricky that's a tricky thing. Does does Nick get to make the call or not? I mean, that's a question for Nick Sirianni. Hey, Nick, keep it real. Yeah. Did you get to well, make the call he's or not? Say it's collaborative. <laughs> but that's when you know he probably didn't get to make the call. Because yeah. if he did, he just say question. yes. Yeah I, yeah, I made the call. I made the call. I'm the head coach. I made the call. And you know what? They'll they they might have him say that regardless. They, I don't see. I I don't think it's the case. I I man, everything that he said about his involvement with the defensive side of the football, I think it's sort of like, hey, know your stay in your lane, know your role, even though you're our well, head coach. Yeah, I think there's some of that going on. It could be. Look, the one good thing is. This not a surprise the Gannon's gone. I mean, they've had plenty of time to prepare for it. And so, you know, now you now you move. But it'd be really interesting to know who makes that call. Joe Cameron, John Ritchie, 215-592-9494. Speaking of interesting, something A.J. Brown said yesterday. And uh, I, I had a, a similar feeling to how he felt um, about a pretty pivotal moment in the game. We'll get to that. We'll rock all the calls. Joe Cameron, John Ritchie on WIP. Pro and college hoops, hockey, MMA, and so much more. The Bet Park Sportsbook and Casino app has you covered. Get odds, bets, slots, and games right in the palm of your hand, and it's safe, secure, and easy to use. The official sportsbook for the real Philly sports fan and the only sportsbook and casino app that I recommend. Bet more than just the score. Bet player performances. And with live in-game betting, you can bet during the game. Bet player points, assists, and rebounds. Check out our pro basketball team. We're two-point favorites hosting Cleveland, minus 137 on the money line. The over-under for this game is 217 points. Join me now. New users, you can get up to $750 in sportsbook bonus back if your first bet isn't a winner. Download the app. Start playing instantly with the Bet Park Sportsbook and Casino app. I can't believe you're playing this. I listened to this this morning. Did you really? Yeah. I listened to it this morning. I thought it like was some like, I can't believe you're playing this because they say good times or something. Dude, I'm reading my book on Zeppelin. I took a bath this morning reading my book on Zeppelin, and I played this. That's awesome. So, yes. You took a bath this morning? This morning. Yes. I took a bath this morning. Um, <laughs> Ricky's staring at me right now like an evil death stare. All right, so... I'm going to ask permission 
to uh, present what would probably be the first sports point on this show that's not related to the Eagles in not only three days, but potentially like three weeks. <laughs> I'll keep it short. Okay, I, I don't know if this is keep something. Keep it tight. I'll keep it tight because I know it matters most, and it's certainly not what I'm about to say, but just, just bear with me for a second. I don't know if this is something we should laugh at or be annoyed about. I, I saw a headline yesterday. I, 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 I didn't know what I was looking at. I couldn't believe it. The Philadelphia 76ers have a guy named Matt, excuse me, Mac McClung, who is going to participate this weekend in the NBA's slam dunk contest. <laughs> what? The guy's name is Mac McClung. Never heard of him. And he is he is one of four participants from the NBA to this weekend be in a slam dunk contest. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like I I watched the Sixers. <laughs> what? Who in the world is Matt McClung? And then I, I see uh, uh, another story that says the 76ers just signed this guy to a two-way contract. He's played two games in the history of the NBA. Two games. He plays in the D-League. And for some, and look, he must be an incredible dunker. I mean, if, the eleva- if the NBA is going to elevate a D-Leaguer to the slam dunk contest, like I, I guess the guy's a great dunker. But, like, what are we doing here? What in the world? And, by the way, NBA All-Star Weekend this weekend that you're running out from the Super Bowl to the All-Star Weekend with the NFL pushing the season back a week. So, like, you know, it's fun times and NBA stuff, but I, I, I don't understand. What is the league thinking? They have hundreds, hundreds of incredible dunkers, the best players in the world. Let's take someone from the D League and it's, put them in? It, it's such a symbol of what the dunk contest is. It is. Become. No one cares. I don't care. No, I, you don't I care. But you last anymore. But now you really, like, now you're venturing into the level of absurd. Oh, yeah. I mean, at this point, why not just have people you've never heard of or just good at dunking, I guess? Like, get, like, it's, it's just, like almost like a halftime yeah. show. Anyway, I just, I just wanted to slide that By in. By the way, just... Mike Angelina's weird brain, Mac oh. McClung, actually played at one of your two favorite uh, schools growing up. I, I did read that he played yeah. at Georgetown. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's that's good work by him, no doubt. That's, yeah, I get it. All right, let's go to the phones. Obviously, the Eagles front and center, reaction to the game, reaction to the season, reaction to the loss, and a lot today on Jonathan Gannon. I'll just, again, quickly reiterate, I wish he was still the Eagles defensive coordinator. I know many don't agree with me, and that's fine. Um, but I, I think he's better than most people think he is. Um, and I'll, I'll stand by that. But, but we'll find out. We'll find out what happens he's in the future. He's great when the opponents are bad or they just have an average quarterback. The, the hang-up is, I want to win the games against the great quarterbacks. I know. I think – Others probably give us a better chance. Yeah, I wish we had a, a larger sample size this year to know about that, but I hear you, John. I, I get the point. Let's go to Robert right now in Germantown. Hi, Robert. Guys, how you doing? Tried to call last two weeks. You're too popular. Hope uh, that continues early in the morning. Thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you so much. So the night before the game, I was trying to call in because I had nightmares all my night long about a certain quarterback from Kansas City shredding our defense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I wanted to get through in that. But listen, the gang of four, I think we give too much leniency to Sirianni. And I've been complaining about Sirianni for a long time. Yes, a bad coach can win a Super Bowl every once in a while. Mike McCarthy, ring any bells? Um, well, but, Barry Switzer is the all-time example of that. He was a great yeah, college Barry coach. Switzer. He was a disaster in the pros. He won because of talent. Right. right. I think these guys should be sued for coaching malpractice, all four of them, the gang of four. If I'm George Steinbrenner, and this actually happened in New York, you know, you can't play it as badly in the most important game ever. I'm sorry, you just can't. What about, Robert, what about, about cre- what about credit to the other guy? What about credit to Mahomes? Oh, no, of course. That's what I mean. We were outcoached. 
We no, no, but no, no. Game. But what about a lot of credit to Mahomes? Oh, of course, Mahomes is great, but still, our defense let. I mean, Ray Dittinger made the two interesting points. Right, one. Andy Reid really didn't change his offense much all year. And two, the guy in Jacksonville, Peterson, ran that same play against us. And three, twice they ran the same play. The guy was, like, wide open. That doesn't happen that often in high school football. Look, it was, it was, a, it was a really bad sequence. I mean, I, I'm not denying that. I, I get it. It was, it was not in the, good. In, in, the soup, in the Super Bowl, they did it twice. Yeah, but, and then, but again, and they just, ran it, just – They ran it down our throat. But, and, but, Robert, know this. Andy Reid, man, I mean, again, I think you're sort of – Andy Reid puts tremendous mental pressure on defensive players. It's not fluky. He, he knows what he's doing in that regard. I wish the Eagles players and coaching staff had counterbalanced it more and better. But, you know, they're, they weren't facing a chump, man. They're facing a coach that can do that. They're facing a quarterback that can do that. Robert, give me an answer. What was the letdown? The letdown for me? Last episode of The Sopranos. Yeah, well, the end certainly was was very much so. Now, historical hindsight, some people don't think it's as bad as it was initially was viewed. It was shocking in the moment, obviously. Mike, in, uh, Mike is with us. Hi, Mike. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, John. A little Hi, bit better today? I'm a little less angry, but but only because I'm just focused on the Gannon thing now. But uh, no, I, I feel like garbage. I mean, yeah, t- team I, I love lost the Super Bowl, and I think they should have won. And I think it was also stolen from them. And I think they also blew it. I think all all of the above. Joe, I am such a glutton. I went back and watched the second half because I'm still searching for answers, man. So what did you see? And, well, watching it the second time, what stood out to you? I'll tell you, there's, there's two distinct things that stuck, stuck out to me. Um, and part of it is that we're giving too much. We're putting too much of this emphasis on Gannon. We're not putting enough emphasis on the lack of play from, from some of our players on the defense. T.J. Edwards got abused, and Jordan Davis, I've never seen a bigger, literally bigger, waste of space in my entire life. Those two players up the middle got abused, and those two players, in my estimation, were directly responsible why we got ran over the whole entire second half. And that's not a Jonathan Gannon problem, everybody. I'm sorry to tell you, that's not a Jonathan Gannon problem. When you can't stop the run, and I, I saw T.K. Edwards getting blown up 10 yards downfield from the did, line of scrimmage. He, he struggled. He had a really good year. He, I thought he had a bad game. Okay. And then when the Chiefs went up, my other observation was, when the Chiefs went up 28-27, to 27, what did we do? How did we respond? I'll tell you how we responded. We responded with the three and out. The most important drive of the entire game, we went three and out. It was the sip-off, four punt, and guess who missed the tackle on that on that bad punt? It was T.J. Edwards. I, I implore you to go back. One man did not keep contained, and it was T.J. Edwards. He was responsible for that punt return. So those are two things that are being incredibly overlooked here. It's very easy, everybody, to blame Jonathan Gannon because there's been a laundry list. He has a little bit of a, of a resume that we can always fall back on and blame him. I am really hesitant to blaming him, and it's not because I turned the corner with Gannon. It's because there's a lot of other little nuance that went into this that is not his fault. So there's some of this that goes on Steichen, on Sirianni, and let's not forget the players on the field. So, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm angry again because there's a lot more to this. And guess what? And, Joe, you put it all together, you can't have those little problems, those little mistakes against Patrick Mahomes. 
Mike, give me an answer, man. What was the letdown? Well, you you touched upon the New York the, the New Year's Eve thing. Yeah. Y2K, the world was supposed to blow up, but nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, the only <laughs> thing is, glad. yeah, it's not a letdown. It's it's it's. I get your point. It's a letdown for people that want the destruction and mayhem. Lex hey. Lex Luthor would say it's a, le- a letdown, but everyone else would say no, it's a good thing. He brought up. We Jordan. are Lex Luthor now, John, after the Super Bowl. <laughs> Go ahead, John. He brought up Jordan Davis. Yeah. You know, being a waste of space or something like that. He does take up space. He had 10 snaps, 10 snaps in the Super Bowl. And where it gets even more surprising, Ndamukong Sue had 11. Linval Joseph had 10. Like that, those, those numbers are so incredibly low. It factors into something that Rube said that we had not talked about. Yeah. Who was responsible on the Eagles side of things for keeping our D-line out there on the field for most of the game? So Those I look at this. Starters, yeah, yeah, go the ahead. Starters. Yep. We didn't rotate the starters. Yes. All right. So and I look- that absolutely can factor in. You know, you you we asked the question yesterday, or maybe even today again. Why is it that we slipped more than it seemed like the Chiefs did? Why did they have less problem yep. than we did? Being tired. I mean, what if that's part of this? Right. And who made the decision to stop doing what worked all season long, which was keep these guys fresh, keep them, you know, ready to go, frothing at the mouth, and, and you know, give the starting D-line the majority of the game? Okay, here, here that's, my- Is that Gannon? Well, it's it's a combination of Gannon, Sirianni, and the D line coach. Gannon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah and, and Sirianni oversees it. Look, here's what I'd say: I'm not bothered by it offhand. Now, if if I knew, and you know, maybe You're exhausted, you can't keep your feet under you. No, it's here's part of the slippage. No, here, here's here here's the deal: the way I look at it. Now, I I could be wrong. If these guys, we ever find out these guys were dead tired, and that's a different deal. Here's the way I look at it: the defensive linemen played about a normal. The, the main guys played about a normal amount of snaps. The reality is Chiefs didn't have that many possessions in this game, didn't have that many plays in this game. So the Eagles, in my opinion, just common sense, didn't have to rotate as much. Not to mention, you're not saving the main guys for anything else next week. There is no next week. So, like, if you tell me, and I got the stats right in front of me, Reddick, 46 snaps, yeah, good. I want Reddick to be out there. All right, but Joe. Yeah, in a normal game, he probably plays like 40-something snaps. Exactly. But it's normally spaced out. Let's not forget. It is spaced out because they weren't on the field They had the ball for eight minutes in the first half. They had to defend for eight minutes in the first half. All of those plays are sandwiched into one half of football. Listen, maybe, but to me, I'll only give you that a tiny, tiny little bit. Maybe that's a factor in the second half when the Chiefs were doing their thing. Maybe a little bit. But I don't think you're pulling these guys out but more than – Two to four more snaps each. I mean, I just, I don't. That's just the way I look at it. But, you know, 215-592-9494. I'll give you a a spot that it did strike me during the game, and it struck A.J. Brown during the game. And this was interesting audio, forthcoming audio, about when you could. Surprising. Well, you know, it, it actually doesn't surprise me because he, see, a lot of people interpret this as he's ripping the decision. I, I don't think he's necessarily ripping the decision. He's just saying, well, let's play the audio, but it's it's when the Eagles took a six-point lead instead of going for a fourth down. Um, some people interpreted this as a criticism of Sirianni. I don't. Listen, and then we'll react. Here's A.J. Brown yesterday. Um, ultimately, the Eagles take a six-point lead, 27-21, with a field goal in the third quarter, and he knew at that moment it might be a problem. Here's what he said. Uh, it's kind of it's been, it's been some tough for 48 hours. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I really don't really 
you know what to say. It's kind of, I was kind of dreading this uh, interview. Um, it's just tough, it's tough, tough right now. What was the toughest part about you know the game Sunday night for you? Um, we went up 27-21. Uh, I knew uh, deep down that it was probably a chance we were, we were going to lose. Because you got the field goal there instead of the touchdown? Mm-hmm. Now, see, I have no problem with what A.J. Brown said. Some people did yesterday. Some people think that he's talking sort of out of school and needs criticism of the decision. By the way, it was a fourth and six from the 15-yard line. Sirianni said, let's kick the field goal. Elliott made the field goal. Eagles took a six-point lead. It might be a criticism of that, or it might just be a very simple statement, which echoes exactly what I felt, which is, look, I thought the Eagles should go for the field goal, although I acknowledge I thought about, oh, maybe they should go for it here. But I said, okay, got to make the call, field goal. But you know when you make that field goal, or even when you just make the decision to go for that field goal, you essentially as an offense, you're, as an offense, you're no longer in control of your destiny. You, you now can, to use a Mark Zumoff phrase from all his years broadcasting Sixers games, you can go on the seesaw. We're on the seesaw now. Eagles, six-point lead. Chiefs can take a one-point lead. And, of course, that's exactly what happened. So, John, did, do you interpret what he said there as just gut feeling, a, a, a Sirianni criticism? Yo, Coach, you got to believe in us, no, man. we got to go for fourth I and sixth. I don't either. I think I have no problem with what he I said. I think he's just being honest. Talking he's real. Looking back on the game and, and thinking of the way he felt at that moment in time, hey, it is possible that they can score and yeah. take a lead, and, and then it'll be, yeah, a back and forth. Exactly what I thought, John. We were up 10 points in the first half. We're seeing that slowly slip away, and that's that was the way he reacted. And I, I'm fine with it. And also, you know, Mahomes getting the ball back. You also know your defense isn't doing a great well, job. see, that's where I'm going. Go ahead. And I have no problem with it because I felt the exact same way, and I appreciate the honesty. Honesty, I really do. But I think it's a shot at the defense more than anything. Like, I, fourth and six, like, I don't think he's expecting to go from there. He might be upset that they didn't get more yards. He could be saying the offense didn't get the job done by getting it to fourth and six. But he didn't trust the defense to win the game to stop them. He didn't, very clearly, and he's saying that. Like, I, I thought they would score more points, like, flat out, you know? So, I don't know. It, it is kind of a shot at the defense. It might be. It might be a but shot. But he doesn't defense. look at it that way. He looks at it like this is just the feel that I had during the game. We saw that they were getting, you know, locked in offensively. Yeah. It's not so much a shot at the defense, but respect to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Well, I agree. Offense. And listen, then there is, as the one of the last couple callers pointed out, the reality that after the Chiefs took that one-point lead in the next possession, the Eagles were three and out. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, for what it looks, guys, the Eagles offense played a really good game. But if you want to break it down to where we are right in that spot in digesting the game, in those two possessions, the Eagles scored three points. And that was the bulk of their offensive activity, meaning time, opportunity. They didn't have too many chances in the the second half. Because, of course, the next time they got the ball back, they're down eight. They did go down and score a touchdown and got the two-point conversion. That was it. That was the second half. I mean, it was a weird game with not many possessions. I mean, that possession the Eagles had, which he just talked about, resulted in the field goal. I, I know people probably saw it in the moment, but in case you forget, that drive when the Eagles took the 27-21 lead on that decision to go for the field goal at fourth and six, that was a 17-play drive. It was seven minutes and 45 seconds. I think they said it was the most plays in a drive in Super Bowl history. 
I think they said the I think they said the most it didn't result in a touchdown. Maybe they, they, okay. maybe it was the most average. I thought it was the most average. It might have been. So, but it, it it was three points. And the next drive was zero points. So, you know. Let's go to Will right now in northeast Philadelphia. Hi, Will. Full try. Will it's gonna, it's gonna get better, man. But my, my, my main thing is like one thing that really kinda of bothered me, like you we talking about the you know, the time possessions, right? Um I I you know, I, I kinda believe they played that they was playing at the time possession into their game plan. And I believe that's what really backfired on us. Because, you know, um you know, all the other games we was imposing our will, shootouts. You know, had faith in our offense, had faith in our defense. It didn't happen this day. It didn't happen the way that, you know, we've been playing all season, even though they was a better team. But listen, why why stop now if that's just the biggest game, you know, that we've been, we've been working up to? Like, you keep doing what you've been doing to win. But it just seemed like, you know, that the, the coaches didn't have that type of real faith in their team and that time possession, you know, uh, keeping them off the field. No, let them shoot it out. I right, so Will, let, I, Will, let me ask. I want to ask the room a question. Will, that's you. That's James and John. John, back to that scenario when the Eagles kicked that field goal. Do you believe Nick Sirianni should have gone for it? It was fourth and six from no, the 15. No, I, I said I was fine with the field yeah. goal in the moment. Will, do you think he should have gone from fourth and, from fourth and six? I believe, I mean, yes. I, I believe he did the right thing. I believe Well, that. hold on. Wait, you know, so you believe but, he did the right thing. All right. Well, the other – listen, there's only one other decision that really came into focus. It was the next possession. Do you believe now down one point when the Eagles faced a fourth and two, it's deep in their own territory. It's uh, – excuse me. It's fourth and three from the Eagles' own 32. Now, we know it results in the horrendous Sipos punt and the horrendous punt coverage. I believed in the moment Nick Sirianni should go for it. And part of it was because I was beginning to not trust the defense and said, I want Jalen to be able to take his chances with this one. And I'm, I'm, I'm 100% behind you. You know why? Because majority of the season, even at, in, in that game, even when he fumbled, he came right back, man. He had that determination to win, man. So if, he, if he's running and, and doing everything he possibly could do, basically tearing the team on his back, man, give him the opportunity to win. You know, don't 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 um hold him back from doing what he's capable of doing. Well, yeah, and to me, again, a huge. And Will, give me a great answer here, man. What was the letdown? Okay, real quick, real quick. I just, you know, for next season, man, please bring in the right personnel. Don't end this good quarterback and the offense and defense. Don't end their career on bringing in the wrong pro- personnel, please. You okay. know, we, we got a history of doing that, man. And please don't do that to these guys, man. Right, give, me an, give me an answer. What was the letdown? A letdown is, well, a letdown for me is getting old. Getting old. Okay, that's, that's actually funny. a really good answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess. Agree. You also kind of know what's coming, but fair enough. John, the, the fourth and three. In the moment, did you think the Eagles should punt or go yes, for it? Yes, I thought they should punt. Oh, I thought they should go for it in the moment. You're on the 25, I the care, minus man. 25. They couldn't stop Mahomes. Like, it's it's the same thing Doug did. I know it was yeah. like 10 yards further up the field, but. You can't just go for it every Mahomes time. scoring either way. Maybe you get the ball back quicker then. Let him score quicker. That's like, what, yeah, that, honestly, John, I, 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 I'm with James. In the moment, I was 100% go for it. Fourth and three. 
I'm it's just not fourth and one. Yeah, I, it's not fourth and two. Yeah, three. I know that, I, it, you can't you can't run a lot of those plays, the gimme plays that we know we're going to convert. I, look, there's too much room for error, it, and it's it's just automatic points. No matter what, you're giving them points in that situation if you turn it over. I get the risk. I'll tell you something. I said to my family right before the game began. Now it didn't bear out, but I said it, it wouldn't shock me if there's an onside kick in this game. And my point is that either opposing, you know, either coach would try to steal a possession from the other team. I mean, if you feel the other offense is so good that they're likely to move from the 25 to the 50-yard line anyway, you know, to me there's like a eh, give it a shot, try to steal a possession. That's kind of how I viewed that 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 fourth down. I I would have gone for it. But I know it's risky. Don't get me wrong, John. I know that one is risky. Joe Cameron John Ritchie, Devin joins us next AMA as well. Joe Cameron John Ritchie on WIP. Yes, the ending stunk and we're hurting, but the Birds had a great run this season. And in honor of an amazing and historical season, my friends at the Bush Auto Group are running a Philly special of their own. Right now, when you purchase any vehicle from one of their four great locations, Exton Nissan, Nissan 422 of Limerick, Infinity of Westchester, or Infinity of Ardmore, you get over $3,000 in bonus value to help maintain your vehicle and keep the cost of ownership down. With the price of almost everything going up, the team over at the Bush Auto Group does just the opposite. They're driving costs down. They also pride themselves on their selection. Not only are they your local spot for a great selection of new Nissans or Infinities, but they have over 300 pre-owned vehicles in stock. When you're looking for your next vehicle, choose the Bush Auto Group. Visit them online today at bushautogroup.com. That's B-U-S-H autogroup.com. And when you see them in store, tell them John Ritchie sent you. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.